Hello, everyone. Welcome to Chem for Real, because research engages all learners. This podcast is hosted by the Chemistry Division of the Council of Undergraduate Research, CUR. We are a community of faculty nationwide who walk the talk of engaging student learning through undergraduate research. Each episode will discuss recent findings, experiments, and strategies to assist faculty in defining, expanding, and building a community of lifelong learners around undergraduate research. Whether in the classroom, lab, or the community, undergraduate research increases student engagement, advances student adaptability, and promotes overall resilience. Hello. Uh, my name is Joe Baker, and I am an associate professor working in the area of computational chemistry in the chemistry department at the College of New Jersey. Um, TCNJ is a public, uh, primarily undergraduate, medium-sized residential college located in Ewing, New Jersey, which is in central New Jersey. So I was um, I was lucky to have had some experience teaching a flip style general chemistry course in the fall of 2020. We've been calling uh, internally in our department, we've been working on this course, a uh, high structure guided practice course. What we, what we mean by that is that the students engage in pre-class video and reading content, and then take and submit their notes using our course management tool. We use Canvas here at TCNJ. Um, the students then come to class and in the online world, that synchronous visit was was optional to kind of be flexible to student demands at home, uh, optional, but then recorded so students can review it. But ideally, students come to class, we discuss the uh, content together. If they have questions, they can ask questions about it, and then use that class synchronous time to do um, some guided problem solving. And then afterwards, students take a follow-up, low-stakes uh, quiz on the material, those quizzes were just all managed online through Canvas in, in both the, the in-person version and the um, uh, uh, online version of the course. So that was that was kind of online from the beginning. Also worked some homework problems on their own at that time. And then we repeat that over and over throughout the semester. So that's kind of the, um, the high structure piece is the students get into a structured habit of learning. And so it helps them to structure their time, which I found from feedback from students was really important for them once they transitioned to the online world is that being present on campus helped them to structure their time and they lost that when they went home. And so having that component was um, was really valuable for them. So I found that that, that approach seemed to really work well for, um, for students to kind of stay engaged when they were uh, no longer with their with their friends and with their instructors and um, living on the campus footprint. Basically every session we got together and the first thing was just like, you know, how's, how are folks doing? And, and I remember towards the end, one of my students said that the semester has been fine. I'm really worried about what happens after the semester ends. And just that sense of like, I'm losing all of that structure now. And, and that was like, that was one of the more worrisome things to them. So the, the plan for the fall um, overall at TCNJ is to do this this flex style learning right now is what uh, what everybody's uh, talking about. So they've gone through, they've installed 
trackable cameras and audio devices in the classrooms. And the idea would be to have like rotating cohorts of students to come in to maintain social distancing. And so you'll have some students that'll choose entirely to be online. Some students that'll be flex faculty have actually um, been allowed to choose for themselves whether or not they want to deliver their course entirely online or to have a in-person component. And I think that based on our kind of collective experience during the spring semester, a lot of faculty agree that having a strong asynchronous component is really helpful, especially for those students that are learning from home. And it'll really, you know, in a lot of ways be, uh, I think, required from for those home learners because there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to like seamlessly connect from home given their wide range of resources and a large region that they come from to, to connect reliably for synchronous learning all the time would be really challenging. So, so I think that there'll need to be like an asynchronous piece and then, you know, synchronous class discussions. Hi everyone, my name is Bridget Gurley. I am Dean of the Faculty and a longtime member of the Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry at DePauw University, a four-year entirely undergraduate residential private liberal arts institution of a little under 2,000 students with about a 10 to 1 student-faculty ratio. DePauw University is centrally located in Greencastle, Indiana, a small rural Midwest town about one hour west of Indianapolis. To be honest, I'm struggling, but here is my thinking. Last spring, we were all thrown into remote learning so quickly, there wasn't a great deal of time for intentionality. Fortunately, it was mid-semester and I was teaching quantum chemistry, an upper level course with majors only and a small enrollment. When my students engaged, it was great, as if nothing had changed. We could email, chat via Google Meet or Zoom, share documents, etc. Looking to fall, I'm teaching an entry-level course in our department. It will likely be on the order of 20 to 22 students, as opposed to the seven I had in the spring. So, three times bigger than my spring course. I have agreed to teach it in a fashion that welcomes both in-person and remote learners. My plan is to require that I get to see each and every face and read visual cues for at least one interaction per week per student. I define those interactions to mean either in-person or via Google Meet or Zoom. That interaction can happen during our regularly scheduled class, albeit with masks on, or in an outdoors or visual office hour. I'm also thinking of intentionally including some response questions, either on pre-class preparation assignments, post-class follow-up assignments, or homework that encourages students to reflect and share with me how they think they are adapting to our course pedagogy and format, and encourages them to suggest additional ways of interacting and my facilitating their learning. I trust that, if asked, students pretty quickly can access what would help them or share something that has worked well for them in the past from another course. 
Initially, I anticipate needing to ask questions that help reinforce concrete set expectations about how to engage will be an important part of those conversations. For example, rather than just asking, how is it going? I will need to ask a more targeted set of questions. Even if asking them to give me three ways in which they have engaged in the community of learners in our course might be too general early on. However, did your breakout group in class exchange contact information and follow up outside of class last Friday? And have you been in contact to finish the assignment or study newer material together? Will make more explicit my goals of helping them to find community within the course. and I'm a professor of inorganic chemistry at Illinois State University. I've been a faculty member at ISU for over 20 years. Uh, ISU is a public four-year university with a little over 20,000 students, over 18,000 of which are undergraduate. The university is located in rural central Illinois in a small city of about 150,000 people. Uh, ISU is more residential than commuter with most freshmen and sophomores living on campus and most of the rest of the student body probably living within about a mile of the of the campus. The Department of Chemistry has 20 or so tenure-track faculty and each of us maintains a research lab populated with undergraduates and in some cases master's students. How do you engage students remotely? Wow, that is a challenging question. I continue to do a lot of soul searching for a good answer. Several months ago I would have said engaging students remotely is easy. Then the Gedanken exercise morphed into something uh, I actually needed to do. There are numerous technology tools that can facilitate remote engagement with others. It's challenging to pair the right tools with the needs, expectations, and situations of the others involved, and I find it particularly difficult to balance my time with the diversity and magnitude of needs of my students, particularly in the asynchronous online environment. I suppose I could talk at length about how in mid-March 2020, I had to rapidly shift to exclusively engage students remotely, but for now, some key points should suffice. At the time, I was teaching a lecture to 140 or so first semester Fundamentals of Chemistry students, teaching a General Chemistry 1 lab to about 22 students, I think it was, uh, team teaching three sections totaling 20 students of a post-organic chemistry Fundamentals of Inorganic Chemistry laboratory course, continuing research with my one undergraduate research student, plus, you know, lots of other activities and responsibilities, you know, pretty much the, the typical PUI faculty beat. So, during the week I had to prepare to transition to fully remote engagement, I quickly converged in five points to guide me and advise others. One, like any new adventure, expect the unexpected and adapt. Two, redundancy is good, have backup plans for backup plans. Three, it's a must-trust cyber learners. Four, over-communicate consistently and clearly by multiple channels. Five, be open-minded with expectations and evolve them dynamically. And I could expand on each of these and give you different ideas of the technologies that I tried to 
use in the different situations uh, and how I tried to engage people and sometimes it worked and sometimes I, I didn't. But I think if you, if you take those, those five points, uh, the, the critical factor is that you're trying to make plans, you're trusting your people that are out there um, to be working with you. If the, if the students are genuine and you assume they're genuine, uh, you can make progress. And then you just have to be constantly ad adapting because there's so many circumstances, so many individuals have different circumstances, different situations, you don't quite know what's coming. And so what seems to work one day for engaging uh, a particular student online might completely fail uh, a week later as, as the landscape changes. So, you know, after I got through the spring semester and come into the summer, when I look back, I, I think the, the five points I made are really my my advice. The big thing I would add is that excessive planning is a must, but unfortunately in the circumstances of, of spring 2020, the landscape was changing so rapidly that you really couldn't plan in the way that I think you really need to, which would, would be really think about it for months. Hi, my name is Lindsay Davis and I work as an organic chemist at Barry College. Barry is a private residential small college located in Rome, Georgia. Yeah, so the questions will be in OneNote prior to class. So I ask students, so they read the textbook, they do this reading guide, and they watch videos that I've made before coming to class, but they also fill out a muddiest point. So you've done all this prep for class. What are you still confused about? And then I use that, and this is normal, like before COVID, I use that to guide which problems we're going to do from the book. I really like our book. Um, we use David Klein's organic chemistry. They're just, they're good problems. They're solid. So I don't reinvent the wheel. I want them to use the problems they have access to. So in class, normally what would happen is I would come down to class with a sticky note of like, these are the problems we're going to do based on what they said was confusing. And then I use a projector to project those problems. And then, you know, he, he will have, you know, let's say it's problem 13. There will be like an A through a G and it'll be like, all right, this group do A, this group do B, this group do C. So essentially what I'm going to do is have all of that already pre-populated in one note. And then instead of being able to say group, you're going to do this one. I'm just going to write, this is group A, this is group B. So essentially what I'm hoping is that, you know, before we didn't really have a transcript of what had occurred in class. I mean, the transcript was whatever the notes the student took, that's what they had. But now there's one document that actually is pretty much what happened in class and what problems we went over and that kind of thing. Um, and so I don't see, I will record certain parts of the Zoom call and upload them in, like fill them into the OneNote as needed. Um, but I'm not going to record most of the Zoom call because it's mostly going to be students working on problems and just kind of going back and forth. Um, so I think that keeps students from just watching a Zoom recording both either synchronously or asynchronously is, is probably like somewhat boring, I would imagine. If you enjoyed the Camp for Real podcast, please consider sharing it with your colleagues, friends, and through your social media accounts. We release episodes approximately monthly. 
subscribe to be notified when the next episode drops. For related content, please see the curcam.wordpress.com blog site and the cur.org website. Also, please leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts, which helps others find us. And as always, we thank you for listening.